Happy Monday morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, on Monday, June 1st, 2020. Uh, Hope everyone is doing well out there and staying safe. Crazy times. Um, All right, so before we get started, remember, go check out the podcast on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, all your listening devices. Um, until someone pays me all the money, I'm not leaving any of them. So you can get them everywhere. Uh, go to sunscrapnation.com for anything else. Um, sunscrapnation.com. Okay, so we're going to start today talking about what happened this past weekend with the fights. Pretty, like, all the fight cards up until this one have been awesome. The ones last night were, like, back to regular fights. As much as sports, I'm so happy we got sports back, and especially it's the sport that I love and am super passionate about, and, you know, it's a good, especially going into this coming weekend, which we'll talk about UFC 250, 250, I think it is. Um, we'll talk about the UFC 250. We'll talk about that. But I, I'm happy to just be back in sports. However, now we're getting to the point where you know, I asked my friends about the card, and they're like, I'm not even watching the fights tonight. It, it, we're back to being oversaturated. How spoiled. It sucks. Um, I'm excited for the fights this weekend to a point. I get because Amanda Nunez is fighting. You got to put a pay, like a paywall barrier bef- before it. But, I mean, the card is essentially just a fight night again. Uh, it's got very good matchups, but the average casual fan isn't going to know most of the people on the card. But that's why I'm here, and we'll break it down later. I was debating on whether doing two podcasts about it, but it seems like a real seems like a real tease to just do like two podcasts when I could easily cover what happened this past weekend and the fights coming up this weekend. So we'll just get to it later. But that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed the fights this past weekend. I did, even though um, the Ivan, uh, the Blagona, Blagoy Ivanov fight. Wait, let's see if hold on. I hate when I, I I type in the UFC, and I was hoping it would bring me to the card that just happened, but no, I have to circulate all the way to this one. Okay, the Blagoy Ivanov fight. Uh, and the Augusta Sakai fight. I mean, when it's a when it's a heavyweight fight that goes the distance, man, does it suck? Because I woke up th- the third round into the Gilbert Burns versus Tyron Woodley fight midway watching that fight, so it really fucked me. But that being said, I did go back and watch the main event. Uh, as far as fights to watch and what were great, the Roosevelt Roberts performance was great against Brooke Weaver. He kind of just outclassed him. He looked great. Submitted him. I forget with what. But it was good. Uh, I think with a rear naked joke. Mackenzie Dern doing the first knee bar leg lock submission for women's MMA. Um, we can talk about that real quick. Hannah Cyphers fighting out of North Carolina. Uh, when Mackenzie Dern, all she had to do, she dropped down. And when she did, she inverted guard. Uh, she switched her position on the grips, right? She was holding the foot at first for the outside ankle, and then she switched it underneath to almost a um, X-guard kind of position, but instead she just inverted 
uh, wrapped around the leg. And Hannah Cyphers, instead of getting her knee out and defending the knee line, she kind of just tried to turn away from it, and then she fell onto her hip. And once you're in a leg lock situation and you get pulled to your hip, you're already two steps behind in this race, and they're going to finish it. So instead of putting pressure um, and kind of like inching that knee out, right, like sitting on Mackenzie Dern's butt and kind of just like inching that knee out instead of falling to her left hip, I think it was the right foot she was attacked. So if your right foot's getting attacked, then you do your best to put the pressure on that side so they can't can't maneuver that leg. Once you put pressure on your left side, it – is easier to lift the side with no weight on it. Physics. Um, so the defense wasn't there. Mackenzie Dern did a belly down knee bar. I hope Hannah Cyphers' knee is okay. That's fucking awful. She got the and Mackenzie said it after in her pre in her post fight. She's like, I'm not even a leg lock person, but I, I'll take it if it's there. And that just shows you the level of jujitsu, like world championship level jujitsu. You fucked up when you let her grab your leg or when or when she engaged in jiu-jitsu. Like, she did jiu-jitsu. That's one of those moments where, you know, you start punching. You start making her pay for making it a jiu-jitsu match. Khabib's very good at that. As soon as you entangle him in some sort of guard or half guard or some sort of, if that was an you know, ex-guard position, he just starts raining down punches, perfectly balanced. All right, he answers jiu-jitsu with, punching it's a pretty good answer because it makes you stop it makes you have to defend um so mackenzie uses the jujitsu brings it to the ground and then once you get in that position i mean it's a pretty done deal it, it's very very difficult to out jujitsu yourself at that point right um okay so like I said, Roosevelt Roberts did great. Rick Weaver. Um, the Billy Quant- Quantillo fight? I forget how he wanted to be called. Versus Spike Carlisle. Man, it was a close fight. Um, yeah, I, I can understand giving it to Billy. It, it was literally back and forth in the second round. And then first round was Spike Carlisle all day. Second round... Not so much. And the third round was all Billy. So, I don't know. I mean, just... Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a good fight. No one's no one's a loser in my book. Um, I don't know. It, it was all right. The prelims actually had some interesting finishes of Chris Gutierrez uh, leg-kicking Vince Morales, getting a TKO on the leg kicks just through calf kicks, then you had Casey Kenny submitting Luis Smolka on the first round, which, you know, crazy. But what's crazier is that Brendan Rivola submitted Tim Elliott in the second round. Tim Elliott exhausting himself by being super aggressive with his takedowns and being offensive super early. Tired him out in the second round, and Brendan Rivola uh, locked up a choke on a failed takedown attempt. Um Poor guy has to go back to work t- today. He wanted he wanted a better performance, but he submitted Tim Elliott. That's fucking crazy. Um, Jamal Hill looking fantastic. 
getting a KO in the first round. Daniel Rodriguez, hard-fought decision win against Gabe Green. Gabe Green didn't go anywhere. Uh, he just stood in his face the whole entire time. And then Caitlin Shukagian beating Antonina Shevchenko pretty decisively, like very decisively. It made me question, how does Valentina have such a good top game in jiu-jitsu when Antonina has like, she like, so, like, she didn't have any answer. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, you train together, you do all the same shit. Like, is your sister getting more time? That's weird. It's weird. It was just like, obviously standing, they probably look exactly alike. I mean, their game plans are different because their body types are different. But as far as technically, they probably look identical. But on the ground, it's like, the fuck? <laughs> you guys not showed up to the same wrestling practices? How is this happening? Unless Antonina got into jiu-jitsu later, which that makes a lot more sense. But still, Jesus. Uh, but congrats to Caitlin Chikagian. I mean, that if Valentina's still champ, that kind of shoots her up the ladder, right? Back to underneath Joanne Calderwood, if Joanne Calderwood gets the call. It's a good way to make a statement. Also, what's the plan for Antonina? She wins and then gets up the ranking to flyweight, and then you fight your sister? What's the... Which brings me to the main event. Let's talk about that. So Tyrone Woodley versus Gilbert Burns. Now, I spoke about this before the fight started, or before the fight, when I broke this down. I said, man, what is Tyrone going to offer Gilbert that Gilbert can't answer for? Gilbert drops him in the first round. Gilbert's not just an overhand right. He is the evolution of Tyrone Woodley. He's a guy with great offensive wrestling. He took Tyrone down. What more do I have to say? He's got unbelievable jiu-jitsu off his back. And on top, when he held Tyrone down in the first round and just smashed him. He's more than just an overhand right. That left hook, two times. He threw it in a combination. He had the, the, the classic... Cross right or cross hook cross combination. He goes cross hook cross or or not that uh, yeah yeah cross hook hook cross like it was just as far as a guy who is a ADCC bronze medalist, a guy who ran through the quintet as far as submissions go, um, you know, putting it together like that and putting Tyron Woodley on the back seat as far as performances go against Tyron Usman didn't even have that have that much success as far as dropping Tyron twice the only other person that had that much success but didn't even have uh, I wonder if they count them as knockdowns oh they didn't count them as knockdowns never mind <laughs> anyway total strikes 156 to 65 he got two takedowns out of eight Gilbert and one submission attempt Oh, when he was on his back. Yeah, yeah. I just... Uh, Tyron Woodley's also 38. Let's also remember that. Getting up there. You know, as much as he is incredible and his... The explosiveness mixed with his technique before were really key. And his ability to fend takedowns and then use takedowns as a defense, right... He would back up against the cage 
and then explode with a double leg and was able to run them across the cage for a successful takedown. And then if they tried to stop it on the cage, he would use the momentum to bounce off the cage, turn the hips, and drive again. Pretty, it's it, uh, He and uh, Ben Askren, I think, worked on it together. It, it, it's fantastic as far as, an, as far as the concept. Also, lulling someone in for a big overhand right, which he hit Gilbert Burns with. And then there were times where Gilbert uh, shielded his shoulder. I mean, watching the Henry Hooft instructional and then watching Gilbert Burns perform, it's like one and the same. It's like literally the, he, he is the essence of Henry Hooft's striking system. High guard, hand out. When it gets too heavy, hot and heavy with the with the right hand, you put the ha- I heard Henry say it. Build your house, build your house. You you put your hands up. It's a brilliant defense for kickboxing. It allows you to return with heavy hooks and crosses. Uh, the left kick to the body and to the head kept Tyron's right hand kind of glued to his face. It made it hard for him to throw it. It's a very basic, keep it simple. Stupid is Henry Hoof's mentality kiss he likes to he likes that and i agree i think it's perfect like if you if you attack the right hand or the right side of the body well i'm less likely to throw an overhand right because it means i'm gonna get clipped which he did clip him with the left hand he check hook or he check left hooked him another one of henry hoof's signature moves um it was just an all-around Brilliant performance for five rounds. There was not one round where I was like, "Ooh, Tyron's back in this." It was a systematic dismantling of the champ or of the former champ. We've seen it in Roy McDonald. He's the one that made the blueprint. But um, what's wild to me is Gilbert's like, "I'll fight, I'll fight Kamaro, I'll fight my teammate." It's like, wow, that's cool, great, awesome. I'm just under- trying to understand the why. I mean, it's awesome because it would be kind of like a, a really intense sparring match. I, I just, I don't think it makes for a great title shot, like a title fight. No one really wins in this situation. The only person that wins is Stanford MMA because the, t- the belt doesn't go anywhere. So I'm sure the guys there are like, yeah, awesome, let's do it. Because it's like, okay, we don't lose the belt. The belt stays here regardless of who wins. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that it's like the, it does, it doesn't like, they seem pretty close. So I don't think there's going to be the animosity, like the Colby where he leaves, where he leaves a gym. I have no idea. That's a weird dynamic. You want to talk about the evolution of the sport? Talk about team dynamics. That's a fucking evolution of the sport. Used to be Brazilians wouldn't even fight their own countrymen, more or less their own teammates. Now you got a Brazilian, like, fuck it. I'll fight anybody. Wild. Evolution of the sport. All right, well, that's my breakdown of the fights. I think for Tyron, it's a real reset on his life and what he needs to figure out. He said he came out saying that he, f- I've, got a weird pl- I've, got a, I've got a weird piece for someone who just got their ass whooped. He probably has other things going on in his life as far as, like, making money, doing other things. Like, he probably feels good making that check. He's lost before. Like he's not. He's an older fighter. I, I is it? So for me, I don't think Tyron needs to be a gatekeeper, dude. You just gotta play it right. Instead, 
make super fights. I, I keep seeing, I keep hearing it. If you realize that you're not going to be the champ anymore, but you've been the champ, you've had a legacy. Super fights. Let's go to welterweight. Call out Nick Diaz again. Yeah, call out Nick Diaz again. I want to see that. Okay, super fights. Let's go. Who else? I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, woof. Oof. A lot of the welterweights that I would have loved to see him fight are retired, I think. Uh, yeah, man. It's like a whole new crop of people, so it's... Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Super fights, though. Let's go to well middleweight. He could fight a mill. He could fight like a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Man. Someone put out an article or something recently, and it's like bad look for the UFC because you have. We'll get into it. You have the vacant bantamweight belt. You have the vacant flyweight belt. Now you have the vacant light heavyweight belt. And you almost have the vacant heavyweight belt. Like, the UFC doesn't really have a lot going on. Like, it's a very not good rankings right now as far as shit's kind of all screwy. They're putting on great fights, but as far as the fights, you know, or the where do they go, what does it lead to, it's kind of fucking crazy. All right. Uh, fuck that. I don't want to talk about that. That's dumb. For those that are going to wonder, it's John Oliver reacts to Dana White trademarking UFC, UF. S E A. Who cares? Um, uh, if you haven't, like I said, go listen to Trevor Whitman and Justin Gaethje on Joe Rogan's podcast. Still, still loving that podcast. I listen to it all, but Gilbert Burns, I just ate, but I still very hungry. Fight Island. Rocky, I think Gilbert versus Edwards is a great fight if Usman's not ready. I think it's a great in the middle. Uh, if you guys haven't seen the video, we're going to talk about it now. So let's preface this all. John Jones came out tweeting, I'm going to vacate the title. Juan Blokovich and Dom Reyes can fight for the vacant light heavyweight championship. He's not getting paid what he, he feels like he's not getting paid what he's worth. And uh, yeah, he can just go ahead and move on. Hmm. What does this mean? Jones is a very calculated person. I don't care who you think he is with all the uh like the crazy incidents with the law right the hit and run yes these are all very spontaneous out of the blue things that have happened when he's not inebriated he is a very calculated person you see it the way he fights it's calculated 
maliciousness. And it's good. I mean, it works in the fighting world. Um, but also, he does it with his business, right? There's no way that a guy with, he's got 5.1 million followers. It's a lot for a fighter, for an athlete, mostly for a fighter. He has a following. He's got people like me who appreciate what he does in the octagon and can see past what he does in his personal life because I'm not here to like the guy, John Jones. I'm here to love the athlete. Also, who can sit here and watch this Michael Jordan video and then fucking degrade John Jones? I haven't even watched the Michael Jordan documentary, but I know with greatness comes fucking not the greatest personality and not the greatest life decisions. They're great for a reason because they operate on a level that no one understands. You'll never understand it. You can never understand them because they're better than you. Sorry. And then when they do things that seem uh, erratic or uh, assholish behavior, it's like, hey, man, they have to deal with people like you. You know how awful that must be to have to deal with normal people? It probably gets boring, and it probably gets disinteresting. So you got to spice it up. So anyway, as he did that, he also then took to the streets last night in vigilante justice and took away spray cans from people in Albuquerque trying to deface buildings during the protests um, slash riots. I don't know. Uh, hey, man, it's calculated behavior. You go out there, you stand for something, and then you go do it. People always ask about, always say, like, back your shit up. Like, well, Jones went out, Jones went out there and, like, took the spray cans from people. It's calculated behavior. Yes, I think, uh, Ben Askren says, yes, I think Johnny Bones is likely worth more than what the UFC is paying him. I absolutely agree. Yeah, he's, he, but he can't force them because Jones has made a, like, he has a fan base. But since he plays this good guy, bad guy Jones thing, there's a lot of people that, like, don't like him, and they'd rather him just, like, not get paid his worth. So most people are going to, like, not come to his aid and be like, pay him more, pay him more. Most people are just going to agree that all UFC fighters should get paid more. Um... But unless he was bringing in astronomical numbers in a time like this, yeah. Also, him stepping down is a move. But that doesn't really do anything to the UFC. They can just, like, Dana White's. Yeah, if John Jones becomes the guy to lead a fighter revolt, I'd be stunned. Revolution. Uh, Jorge Masvidal goes... Because uh, John says, you're talking all that big stuff about not caring. Put your money where your mouth is and release me from, my, from that contract. Jorge goes, revolution. Dude. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Jones did that, but whatever. The UFC doctor doing a brilliant job stitching up uh, Tyron's eye because he got cut real bad. an old tweet. All right. 
So that's some of the morning report from mixed martial arts. Let's see if there's anything else. Okay, so let's move on to, we're now on MMA Junkie. Let's see if there's anything here that I didn't see. New UFC fights. Let's, okay, let me break these down real quick. Uh, Brian Kelleher versus, I already talked about that. Herbert Burns versus Evan Dunham. That's going to be this weekend. And then Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov. You have clickbait. Ooh, 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 ooh. All right, so June 7th, Tanner Bozer versus Philip Lins. I'm excited about this one coming up. Oh, that's a, Oh, I'm excited about this one coming up. Uh, Shamal Abimov versus Cyril Gaon. I love that dude. And then July 25th, Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker. Hype, hype. And then Marcus Perez on August 1st versus Eric Spicely. Hype, hype. All right. So that's about all there. Should we break down UFC 250? Uh, Craig Jones tapped out Wagner Hosha this past weekend. Needed overtime. Wagner did a great job defending the leg locks, the new leg entries that... Uh, Yeah, what's crazy is like you you saw Mikel, uh, Mackenzie Dern's knee bar. That's like it's like basic level shit compared to what Craig Jones was doing last night. And even then, he needed to like take the back and finish him Mata Leon style, old school. All right, uh, let's get into the UFC card. All right, UFC two fifty this weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. The cards got pay-per-view potential <laughs> but it's just missing like a fight i don't know like a jones fight that should have been on this thing or something so starting in the early pre prelims you got alonzo menfield versus devin clark uh i think these are heavy-handed guys that they're putting together first fight of the night light heavyweight let's see if someone gets a knockout started off with a bang then you have flyweight Juicier Formiga versus Alex Perez. Juicier coming off of a loss. Ah, to Brandon Moreno. Oh. Yeah. To Brandon Moreno. So looking for that win, trying to get back into that title contention against Alex Perez, who's 23 and 5. Damn. Pretty two veterans, to be honest. In the early prelims. All right, so then you go to the main prelims, which are going to be on ESPN. You have Chris Bird versus Maki Peluto. Uh, P P Maki Pitolo? Pitolo? I think this is a coming out fight for Chris Bird, to be honest. I think that's what they're... Damn, Chris Bird's 36? Oh, shit. 
Then you have Cody Stanman versus Brian Kelleher that was just announced fighting at featherweight. Brian Kelleher is typically a flyweight. Uh, I think this is a great fight for Cody Stanman. Brian Kelleher, I think he's trying to ride the momentum of his past win and capitalizing on a time where lots of fights, not a lot of, fi not a lot of fighters willing to fight. Uh, then you have Ian Heinish versus Gerald Meshart. Um, Ian Heinish trying to get Ian Heinish, that guy with a crazy prison story and everything like that. Exciting fighter. Exciting to watch him fight. He's looking to get back on the winning streak against Gerald Marchart, um, who himself, veteran of the sport, is coming off of a submission win over Darren Wynn. That's right. He just beat Darren Wynn, who was a prospect. So this is a, another fight for him to come in and spoil the party. To be honest, it's gonna be an Ian, it's gonna be up to Ian Heinish to be calculated and you know pick the right shots and you know beat him technically or to catch him and knock him out. But um, Gerald's not an easy guy to just knock out. And if you fuck up and you waste your energy, which it's gonna be mostly that, it's gonna be pacing himself and managing that output so that way Gerald doesn't just plod forward do a good job of absorbing and then, you know, grinding out and breaking them. It's kind of his strategy. I mean, 30 and 12, it works. Veteran savvy, baby. Then you have Alex Caceres versus J Chase Hooper. This is a big test for Chase. Not a lot of, not so confident in his hands as he is his jujitsu. Alex Caceres has shown, you know, um, holes in his jiu-jitsu but you got to remember he got submitted by cron gracie chase hooper as much as he's a prospect and as much as his jiu-jitsu is awesome it's not cron gracie so if he doesn't have a way to enter and as we saw cron gracie against cub swanson i don't know if chase hooper's got that <laughs> that chin so alex caceres he's going to use his striking it's he's awkward he's got he's got a he's got unorthodox technique so it's gonna be hard for chase to just like close the distance and grab him and if even if he does let's see how good alex caceres has gotten at his submission defense also a veteran of the sport so it's like unless you have unbelievable one punch knockout power or a submission game to the likes of a Cron Gracie or a Mackenzie Dern. It is very hard, or like the Muay Thai experience of someone that's like a world champion. It is very hard to just go in there and out MMA a veteran of the sport. It's just, it's hard because they, they know how to be technical enough to keep you away, rack up points, and win a unanimous decision and fight for 15 minutes. And then they're just baiting you to exhaust everything and get all that nervous energy out and then have a, a dump, right, of just energy. And then just grind you out for the win. All right, so let's talk about the main card. It's a pretty nasty main card. If we just had another fight at the main event or something, there's just no stakes in this card. Like, I guess Rafael Sunsound and Cody Garbrandt are sta big stakes. I don't know. It's the only one that I can get, like, emotionally invested in. Like, oh, these two need a win so bad. 
the Bantamweight Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sanhagen. Eh, but once again, no stakes because they announced the Petrion versus Jose Aldo thing. They should have done a round robin tournament. Whatever. We'll get into it. All right, so Bantamweight Eddie Wyland versus Sean O'Malley. Eddie Wyland, once again, veteran of the sport. Sean O'Malley, on the other hand, a prospect who's shown very, like, incredible precision and timing, likes of Conor McGregor, that it begs to be one of those things where it's like, oh, maybe he can just beat veterans. And Eddie Wyland's kind of the perfect test because you're not just going to knock Eddie Wyland out. And that dude has seen everything. Um, also, if you fade even a little bit, he going he to fuck you up. So this is one of those things. Does he go out there Conor McGregor style and just starch Eddie Wyland the way that Conor went out there and, like, starch Marcus Brimage? Because uh, Marcus Brimage is kind of one of those guys where if you even fuck up a little bit, it's going to be a bad night. So this is kind of the fight for Sean to really show, is he the precision, um, you know, calculated striker? Does it work at that level? Or does he have to go back to the drawing board and work on some things? Eddie Wyland's going to be that guy. Eddie Wyland's looking to fuck you up. And, uh, yeah, so for Sean, he's just got to go out there and be the sugar show. For Eddie Wyland... I mean, his last... I think he won his last fight. Yeah, he knocked out Grigori Popov. So he's coming off of a, he's coming off of a win. Right? He's pretty confident. Especially if he's been working on stuff. It's a lot of experience to get by. Fucking... There we go. Okay. All right, following that, we got Neil Magny versus Anthony Rocco Martin. I just watched the Neil Magny fight the other day versus uh, G. Ling Lang, G. G. The Leech. Um, once again, incredible. Fuck it. The jab. Oh, my God. He works with Team Elevation with Trevor Whitman. The, his jab, using his range, um, the knees. Just unbelievable performance. Looked fucking amazing. Uh, uh, Tony Martin. Is his opponent. Tony Martin, a guy that had a very on and off beginning career, and then he turned it around, changed up his name. Uh, he, was fight- oh, he was fighting at lightweight. He moved up to welterweight, and now he's been doing work. He KO'd Ryan LaFlair hard with a head kick and was nasty. Um, so just to give you a background of his of – because his, uh, you, you have to see where they come from, even though – they may be disappointed in what they've done in the past, but so his last loss was to Olivier Auburn Mercier, um, UFC Fight Night One Sixteen, uh, September two thousand seventeen. Right, he goes up to welterweight, submits Jake Matthews, KOs Ryan Lafleur, then he does the he's on the Barbosa versus Lee card. He decisions Kieda Nakamura. He decisions Rahaz Ramazan Emev. He goes on to lose to Damian Maia in a decision at welterweight. Comes back, decision Sergio Moraes in Brazil. I think that's in Brazil. Was it in Brazil? It's my birthday. 
And uh, now he's fighting um, Neil Magny, right? He got decision win by Damian Maya. Damian Maya at welterweight's a fucking tough go for anyone, especially a guy that used to fight at lightweight. He comes back, learns his lesson, beats a jiu-jitsu world champion in Sergio Rice, and he does it pretty clinically. I remember that fight. He, it was very good. And then now he's got the Neil Magny fight. It's going to be hard for me to go against Neil Magny after what I saw uh, in his last fight. But, man, if you're talking about a guy that's got the fire underneath him and he's just on a train from hell moving forward, Tony's going to go out there and win. Or Anthony Rocco Martin's going to go out there and win. He's going to try. He's going he's gonna to go for it. Um, and this is going to be a fight where could potentially be fight of the night because I don't see there's not there's a pace that Neil can keep up and then Tony's just going to keep up with that pace he may not know he's able to and he may not like like it may not be like the prettiest thing but he's going to keep up with it all right then you have uh, a clash at Bantamweight which this is what it should have been it should have been Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sanhagen and then Jose Aldo or Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sanhagen is a great matchup. But one of these two should have been in the Petrion fight instead of Jose. And then one of these two should have been fighting Jose this weekend. Get what I mean? Arguably, Petr versus Aljamain probably should have been for the Bantamweight Championship. And then Corey Sanhagen versus Jose Aldo. Incredible fight. Um, but we got this fight. And still very, 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 very good fight. You have Algermain, who is riding a uh, two-fight one streak. Four. Four-fight one streak. Oh, wow. Four since his... No. Five-fight one streak, I guess, since his loss to Marlon. Four, six fight, one streak. One, two. What was his last fight? Pedro Munoz is his last fight. No, yeah. Anyway, he's on a fight win streak, even though he his last loss was to Marlon Moraes. Um, and then you have Corey Sanhagen, who's slowly been making, who's slowly been. Racking up the wins, and that's why I feel like this is weird, is because Corey Sanhagen beat Rafael Sunsau. I get why Rafael Sunsau and Cody Garbrandt are the co-main event, but, like, hey, flop it, you know? Like, flip-flop it. Makes no sense. These two are on a losing streak, and then Algerman and Corey Sanhagen are on incredible winning streaks, and they're moving up the ranks. Shit. Corey just beat Rafael Sunsau. And then before that, John Lineker. And then before that, yeah, so, yeah. You get me? You get me? Okay, so the Algermain versus Corey Sanhagen, I think it's a great fight. It's going to be up to Algermain to keep it at kicking range. Um, they're approximately the same. Damn, Corey's taller than he is. Or, yeah, Corey's taller than he is. This is going to be a fight where Aljamain is kind of at 
end. Like, he's not going to be able to use his reach, which he normally uses very well. He's going to have to use, like, takedowns or something. His boxing. But Corey, man, he's a different level. He's another team elevation guy. I love the fact that Corey's fighting on this fight or on this card, and so is Neil Magny. So they definitely were getting ready together. I have, I am, you know, I, I lean more towards the Corey Sandhagen in this fight. I just think, I see his potential and I see that he is going to be the champion. He's so fucking good technically, uh, standing. And then, I don't know, his scrambling is very, very good for Bantamweight. Keeps a good pace, obviously, if he can, if he's in the same camp as Neil Magny at Team Elevation. Algermain, veteran, veteran savvy, at least in the UFC. It's his chance to, like, get that fight with Petr Jan he finally wanted, or with Jose, depending on who wins. In the co-main event, you have two guys that need a win very badly. Cody on a three-fight losing streak, and then Rafael Asuncao on a two-fight losing streak. Two-fight losing streak. Corey Sandhagen and Marlon Marais, right? All right, so what do I have to say about this? So I love the move for Cody. He actually starts spending half and half time with Henry, Mark Henry and Team Alpha Male. Listen, Cody going to any other gym, I would have been a little bit uneasy, and I'd be like, oh, man, he's just reaching at this point. Until they said Mark Henry, I was like, you know what? That makes the most sense. His hands and Mark Henry, he just needs a little bit of guidance. He needs that guidance, that former, like, that box, more boxing mentality. Like, it just works for Cody. I just feel like that's Ricardo Almeida. They're good friends already, I think. I just feel as though that connection makes the most sense, and that gym makes the most sense. So I expect a comeback from Cody. Like, I, when he made that move... Like, if he can just keep it together and not get emotional in the cage and do what he, like, this could easily be the return of Cody versus, like, that Cody versus Dom. Rafael Sunsau just needs to be Rafael Sunsau. He's so good. I don't really see any changing from him. He just needs to be sharp that night. Um, if it's not, the, if it's the same Cody that we've seen in the past three fights, right hand uh, to Cody's right side. Right? I mean, that hands down, you know, get him emotional, pull him into a brawl, keep your hands up tight. Rafael is would be pretty good at that. Um, so yeah, I, I I hope this is comeback Cody, and I hope for everyone that's a huge fan of his as well. Um, it's comeback Cody, but Rafael Sunsau, I four knockouts in a row is a huge possibility with this with this guy, especially if he, if he can expose the whole brawling Cody thing. So in the main event, and we'll wrap this up. We got Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Felicia Spencer, I watched the whole countdown thing, and it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, Felicia Spencer. She's, a, she's hardworking. She grinds out her decisions. They're not the prettiest fights, but she makes a, she makes a thing about it. And then I watched Amanda Nunes versus Cyborg for the second time. Yeah, bro. <sighs> Amanda or Cyborg 
was too fast for Felicia Spencer. A man is going to be way too fast for Felicia Spencer. Her hands are f are scary fast. I think it's going to be a lot like the Misha Tate fight. I think it's going to be a lot of panic wrestling and a lot of like, oh, you think you're a black belt. Let me introduce you to Amanda Nunes' black belt. Um, I think it's I think Amanda has a fantastic performance, gets another paycheck. But if you are a betting person, and with everything that's going on in this world, uh, how everything's turned upside down, and you just want to almost just place a bet on the lottery, Felicia Spencer is a plus 425. Eh. So, you know, there's always a chance. She's a big girl compared to Amanda. She can... I don't know how much damage you want to take, but she can, you know, take some. And then just like with Cyborg, try to get it nasty and like a grindy fight. I just don't really see that happening. I think she's going to take one or two calf kicks. She's going to take one or two punches, and she's going to be like, fuck this. And then she's going to try to go for a takedown, and then Amanda's going to bang, bang, bang. Because we saw what we saw what Raquel Pennington tried to do when she did that, and then for Amanda when she defends the belt, like if she defends it, if I was her, I'd fucking retire. She did it. She defended bantamweight countless times. She'll do. This is gonna be her defense of the featherweight belt. She did it. I have a kid. Relax. Greatest of all time female fighter. But we'll see. So that's your car that's your fight card. Um that's all the news I got for you today. And good, nice, concise episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy the fights this weekend. Um they are on pay per view. Um other than that, stay safe, everybody, please. Please, please, please. I know it's crazy out there. But just take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Um, other than that, like I said, enjoy the fights. Check out SouthernScrapNation.com. Go to iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, SouthernScrapNation.com. I've been your host as always, Daniel Jonas. Uh, until next time. Peace.